You are listening to the Balkan Bread Podcast. This is a podcast created to connect diaspora worldwide by sharing each other's stories. everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Balkan Bread podcast. My name's Amina and thank you guys so much for being here. I am so excited to sit down and record with guests just because it gives me a new perspective on just different issues that our community is faced with and something that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast before is mental health and how there is this kind of unspoken stigma I guess associated with it in our community. It's not something that people really talk about in conversation. It's something that gets brushed off a lot of the time. And then of course, when you're talking about mental health from a woman's perspective versus a male's perspective, then it's you know totally different. You get all kinds of things from people. So I think it's important to have these conversations and really just create this safe space for all of us, regardless of what kind of circumstances, situations, you know, different experiences that you've had. I think everything is 100% valid and, you know, deserves to get that recognition, things like that. So this episode is going to be framed around that topic. And we actually have an expert in the subject, which is great because whenever I sit down and do these episodes by myself, it's just kind of my personal experience, you know, other ones we've recorded, how I dealt with grief, how I dealt with this kind of thing. Um, I'm not an expert by any means, but our guest today is, she is actually a psychotherapist who recently started an Instagram account called Balkan Mama Therapy. And she basically gives all kinds of advice specifically for Balkan and immigrant moms. So I'm super excited to welcome Selma to the episode. Hi, Mina. It's so nice to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Uh, so my name is Selma Bachevats, and I am the face behind Balkan Mama Therapy. I have been a psychotherapist for, um, I can say, 10 years now. I have been in private practice eight of those years, and I absolutely love what I do. I think one of the biggest questions I get asked is, how did you come up with this idea of Balkan Mama Therapy? I actually wrote a blog post about it like literally three days ago <laughs> where I talked about my my story how we how I came up with this um, it really started off in 2017 when I when I found out I was pregnant with my first child my son and um, I went on to this journey to find moms who are like-minded who I could talk to who had similar experiences um, and, and had a you know similar background to me. And unfortunately, when I Googled, when I Facebooked, when I went all over the internet, I wasn't able to find anything, anybody who spoke my language, anybody who understood attachment, understood conscious parenting, understood children's needs um, and, and child development the way I really was looking for. So when um, about 
now seven months ago, when I sat down and I talked to my husband, I said, you know, and this is the backstory to this conversation with my husband was um, my father passed recently. So when he passed, I felt this really big need to do something meaningful in my life. Of course, when we have a big grief like that, you know, in our lives, there is a big push to do something meaningful, to give back to the community. I think you can relate to that. I, I think I've listened to a few of your conversations about that. And for me, that was to give back to my community, Balkan, the Balkan community. And I wanted to find moms who were like-minded who would be interested in this. So I hired a business coach and I told her about my dream. And I thought that she was going to tell me that I am just like crazy person. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Just make this a general thing. And she sat across from me and said, you are absolutely going to do this. So we laid out a plan. And um, in the, at the end of January 2020s, when I officially named Balkan Mama Therapy, Balkan Mama Therapy, and I started posting things that actually speak to me. It is my own healing journey that I'm sharing uh, information about, you know, breaking cycles of parenting behaviors that are not healthy for our children, uh, breaking cycles for ourselves, the way we view ourselves, the world, etc., and learning how to live in connection, in, in desire to be connected with one another and parent through connection as well. So, and I think the, the Balkan society overall loves connection where, where people, people, <laughs> we love people, we love social, socializing. And I want that socializing to extend into the relationship between a mother and her child. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where it all started. I wanted to find somebody like me. And when I couldn't find it, I went and I said, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> I love that you said that because that's really the first step to starting anything is, you know, it's typically you find yourself in some kind of situation where you want something, but it doesn't exist yet. And that's what, you know, starting a business, starting even just an Instagram account or whatever it might be in the beginning is really important. And that kind of shows that there really is a need for it. You know, you probably found so many other moms after you started. And I think that's really important because like you were saying, you know, you could have done something maybe more general and just, you know, you can look up mom, you know, parenting, whatever kinds of tips, advice, but focusing on a niche is really, really a great strategy. I know some people think, well, you know, the Balkans, they'll come to me and say this, isn't that kind of, aren't you limiting yourself? Like, is there not enough, you know, are you going to have enough customers with that? And I always say, well, you know, within Bosnia alone, there's this statistic that's, I think there's over, what is it over like 2 million people that were born there that are living somewhere else. And so that would automatically be, you know, one of my ideal customers. And you have to think about it as all of the countries, you know, put together in the Balkans. So that's what I always say. Um, I Absolutely. Like we're everywhere. And so mm -hmm. you don't want to go, I guess, too broad in the sense, because then you lose that kind of special part of your business and your account. For um, 10 years, I did broad work. And when I say broad, I still specialized in 
maternal mental health, infant, baby and toddler mental health, and attachment. And, and working within that niche, I still niche down to a specific group of people. And the Balkans, like you said, they're, they're not a small region. They're actually a pretty large region. I think the last statistic I read was 32 million people reside there. So out of this 32 million people, I wonder how many millions are, you know, all around the world who can relate. And, and what I find often is when I post something, it's not just, you know, it doesn't just resonate with Balkan people. It resonates with others who are going through similar situations. Mm -hmm. um, I have had people from the Middle East reach out, from Asia, from um, Latin America, you know, a lot of them are going through very similar uh, experiences. And that talks about the human experience that we're all, you know, going through the same uh, or similar things and that we all are social creatures who deserve to be heard and validated in our experience. You know, even though there's so many different nationalities and everything in question, when you, when it comes down to it, we're all way similar than we would ever like to admit but you know hey that's, that's how it is we have our differences of course but at the end of the day like we are all human and mm -hmm. think that we can all relate to so going on your account and I think there's so much useful information first of all if you guys are listening and you want to pull up her account it's just at Balkan Mama Therapy on Instagram and a lot of the different graphics and things that you're making. So like you're doing the reels, which I love. Mm -hmm. reels are super helpful. <laughs> They're definitely putting me out of my comfort zone, but I just, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Uh, and, and if I'm going to preach and tell moms, you got to sit in your uncomfortable feeling, I've got to do the, the same thing. Right. I think it's more relatable too. It's like, if you see someone that's like, just like you kind of, and it's mm -hmm. more, I don't know, it resonates with you more versus just, yeah. you know, someone who maybe looks like they have it all together and they're just putting on some kind of face or show. Right. Right. No, it's all about being relatable and, you know, being a mom, <laughs> having two little ones, I, it's really hard to find time to, mm -hmm. to, to do these things. And usually I am doing them with my kids playing in front of, or like by my feet. That's why I usually just see my face because <laughs> they're by my feet or like, um, they're just doing things all around me. So yeah, I love it. Thank you for that. Thank you for that shout out for Balkan Mama Therapy. I really appreciate that. Definitely, definitely. And we're going to dive into just some of the kind of overarching, I guess, topics or things that you frequently like post about or address. Mm -hmm. And obviously, feel free to like add on here. But um, one thing that I saw on your account a lot was just talking about intergenerational trauma and how that can affect, you know, your overall health and also your parenting. So I don't know if you want to just kind of explain a little yeah. bit more. Intergenerational trauma usually starts off as a historical trauma. And it is a form of trauma that gets passed down through several different ways. The primary way is genetics. You can get trauma passed down into your genes from your parents, grandparents, etc. And before people start freaking out about that, we'll talk about, I'll talk a little bit more about that in, in detail in just a little bit. The other ways are through your culture. Your culture can definitely pass on certain things that are uh, trauma-based trauma behaviors because of that historical event that happened. 
um, through nurture, the way your parents parented you can also create intergenerational trauma to be passed down and also through your environment. So depending on where you're living, the different um, you know, societal expectations, the different socioeconomic statuses, um, et cetera, those are all influences and in things that can bring intergenerational trauma into our lives. The Balkans themselves have experienced an array of a lot of pain and a lot of trauma. Um, even if we just look at our lives, I mean, look at us, we're, we're immigrants, we're living in a different part of the world than where we were born primarily, right? I know there's younger generations who were born here, but their parents, for example, <clears throat> Um, looking at our grandparents, our great-grandparents, all of them survived some type of war, some type of genocide, some type of concentration camp. And I don't care what nationality or religion you are, every one of us was affected by this. If we take it further back to, you know, being colonized and under constant pressures from other societies to take on the different roles and, and being told what to do, that creates that generational trauma that, you know, we need to break. So my work primarily focuses on helping moms heal those intergenerational wounds so they can parent through connection, being present and available to their child and follow their intuition. A lot of us Balkan moms have a beautiful intuition about how we want to parent. Unfortunately, that intergenerational trauma and the societal expectations have moved us away from allowing us to listen to our own intuition and are forcing us into this, you know, way of, of parenting that we really don't want. And as younger moms, and when I say younger moms, I mean moms of younger children, when we try to break certain stereotypes about parenting, and, and let me rephrase that, this is not just younger moms, this is actually all moms, now that I'm like saying this out loud, all moms, when they try to break some type of cycle that was passed down to them, there's a lot of shame and a lot of, um, what will people say, behavior that follows, right? So I am here to help moms, um, young women, moms um, who want to break these stereotypes, these cycles for themselves, because as soon as you heal your wounds, your children no longer have to deal with them, and you literally are preventing future generations from being affected in the same way that you were. So it's almost like a, a wave of healing. Once you heal, you send this energy of all these waves of healing down to the future generations to come. Definitely. And I think sometimes it's just kind of recognizing that, you know, the way that it was done before by your parents or by your relatives might not necessarily be the best way for you to mm -hmm. parent your kids and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know, how would you say, like, what advice would you give, um, you know, let's say it's a mom and she's trying to, you know, adopt these different like practices in just different ways. Um, maybe you can give some examples of those. Um, mm -hmm. And also, how do you deal with, you know, I guess the backlash from someone else, you know, if you're living mm -hmm. with your in-law, mm -hmm. let's say, and they're mm -hmm. trying to tell you how to, you know, parent your mm -hmm. child or just kind of these outside factors, how mm -hmm. would mm -hmm. they deal with that? Well, I, I think that's a pretty big question. So I need to dissect it to, to, into several parts. The first part is to understand that when we are 
going on this path of, of healing, um, we're, we're not there to blame anybody. We're not there pointing fingers and saying, my parents did a terrible job with me, therefore I'm struggling with these things. It, it's not about blame. When we blame, and this is a concept of um, attachment theory, when we blame people for whatever is going on within us, we're actually creating a dead end street. We're not looking for solutions. So the point of intergenerational healing is to label it, to say, hey, this was not okay. Mm -hmm. And it's hard that my parents did not know this, but now I know. And I am going to do what I need to do to make sure that I do not struggle with this anymore so that my kids don't have to deal with it. So it's not about blame. I want to point that out. And, and a lot of people will say, you know, well, my parents did the best they could with what they had. Yes. However, there's still no blame when you come in there and say, I want to change the way, you know, I think about myself, I think about the world, I want to parent the way I want to associate with my friends, my spouse, my boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it may be. When you come in and you work on healing your intergenerational trauma, you're first labeling, and then you're going into this process of discovery. And it, it's not a easy process. You need somebody to guide you through it. You cannot do this through self-help books type of thing. Uh, the the self-help books can be really helpful, but you need someone to guide you through this process because a lot of questions will arise that the self-help books will not be able to answer for you, for example. So when, you know, moms come in and they say, hey, I do not, I'll use this big example that oftentimes comes into my, my work. I no longer want to spank my children. Uh, when I was younger, I was spanked. It just produced a lot of resentment toward my parents. I want to let go of the resentment. I want to heal from it. I want to forgive, but I don't want to spank. So um, she goes into this process of, of healing. And then when an opportunity comes along where her parents are present and they feel that her children should be spanked, um, there's a conflict that arises. And usually that conflict stems from the parents being very confused as to, well, you know, what did we do so wrong? Look at you, you turned out fine. What did we do so wrong that, you know, um, spanking is such a bad deal? Well, research indicates that spanking, hitting a child is... Um, very, very, very bad for their mental health. It actually equates to um, ongoing chronic trauma in, in a child's life. And if we think about spanking, for example, when we talk, spanking is really hitting a child, right? And when we spank, we are hurting a child because we are angry and we are not able to control our anger. We take out anger out on them. And, and they're a human who is less powerful than we are, smaller than us, etc. Spanking usually doesn't work. Actually, it never does work. It creates a fear. It does not create respect. And that's another Balkan thing where, you know, parents say, you've got to fear somebody in order to respect them. Not true. <laughs> you know, fear, fear only begets fear. Respect is taught by showing and giving respect. 
So these are constructs, you know, they're paradigm shifts. They're not just you come in one day and say, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. These are constructs and paradigm shifts that you're going to change in your own uh, thought process. And when this happens, it's it's really liberating, number one. But it's also hard because now you, you feel like you have to justify your actions to your parents, for example. So when this conflict arises with the parents who are not really sure why you're not choosing this and why are you raising a spoiled little brat now, right? Because you're choosing not to spank. Um, it, you know, the best form of, of coming back from this is through education. I have found that grandparents love their grandchildren. You know, and yes, sometimes they have this unsolicited advice that they want to give and say and, and what we should do as moms, etc. However, when you educate them and provide them information that, you know, science has discovered over the last 10, 15, 20 years, I mean, it's been a good, for example, with my mom, a good 20 years since she parented me, you know, like in a way of, of parenting what we consider a parent's responsibility to be. So research has come a long way. And when we provide our parents, grandparents, this information, they're very keen to apply it. And a lot of times I hear, man, I wish I had known this when I was raising you so that you don't have to deal with this. No parent out there, I don't care who they are and what they do, no parent out there chooses to hurt their child. Their intergenerational trauma leads them to it and the, the lack of awareness and the stigma around mental health leads to a lot of the pain that we're dealing with. So I hope that helps answer the question. No, it really does because I was looking for, you know, specific kind of examples. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I think in parenting, just in general, I mean, I don't have any kids, but I know that's something that comes up all the time as well. Do you spank your children or should, mm -hmm. how do you, you know, reinforce certain behaviors and whatever types of things? So no, I think that definitely helps. And I think it all just comes down to, you know, like you said, like knowing, recognizing that, okay, I was raised, you know, a certain way, I'm not going to blame my parents for a certain thing they did to me, or just certain whatever experiences that I went through. But at the same time, this is what I took from it. And this is what I'm going to, you know, this is how I'm going to raise my kid kind of mm -hmm, thing. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's about, you know, developing those healthy boundaries. And for, I think I posted earlier today, actually, talking about saying no more often, you know, as, as Balkan girls, women were taught that self-sacrifice is what makes you a good mother and no self-sacrifice is a very unhealthy thing you know like I want to take every single Balkan mom and be like listen girl you don't need to self-sacrifice the more you say no the healthier you're going to be for yourself and therefore healthier for your children um, and that's a really good way to start practicing those boundaries you know that's another thing in, in, in my work with Balkan moms that's come up we struggle with saying no, but also setting up healthy boundaries for ourselves. I don't think that the Balkans have a good understanding of what those what boundaries are, number one. And number two, we have a very meshed relationships with our um, parents. So 
you know, and there's a beauty in that, but there's a lot of stuff that needs to be untangled before um, everybody finds peace so that we're not holding grudges and not getting mad at each other, etc. Um, so yeah, a good point there with, with the spanking. That's, yeah, that's a hot topic, I think, in every parenting community, actually. But for the Balkans, if you Google Balkan parents, you know, the first thing you find is Balkan memes of being hit with like the belt or prut, you know, <laughs> come back home. Uh, um, it, it's that paranoia, the fear, the, the, the things that we want to step away from. And um, yeah, so that, that's where that all comes from. So yeah. I know there's so many memes and things that I guess, you know, you can of course laugh at, but at the end of the day, it's like, okay, let's talk about this. You know? Yeah, like a You're meme about Prama Hachime Ubiti is a pretty funny one, you know, but a meme with like, you know, you're going to get your butt beaten because of something that happened. That is not a funny thing because, I mean, think about it. We, when we hit another adult, it's considered assault, right? When we hit a woman, when a man hits a woman, he gets arrested. When we hit an animal, it's called animal abuse. Um, when we do anything violent, there is some type of consequence for it. But when it comes to children, we're like, oh yeah, no problem. Let's hit them. They're going to be fine. <laughs> That's not how it works, it, you know, and um, again, there's a lot of research, just Google Harvard studies, Yale studies are going to be all over this. So for anybody questioning that. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And I love this conversation because everything is backed by science and backed by research. So mm -hmm. I think that is the best thing because then that way there's no way that someone can come to you and say, you know, well, that's not true. And then you can just find some, you know, study or I have this bookmarked, let me send yeah. it to you. And, yeah. you know, this is actually, actually what happened. For sure, for sure. And if anything, even if people are still, you know, how we are we're set in our ways on certain things they can at least be like oh okay i see there's another way people are dealing with this mm -hmm. like that first mm -hmm. kind of i don't know eye opening i guess experience or just mm -hmm. they might read something and then kind of makes them think a little bit differently about how certain things are done now um, mm -hmm. stuff like that mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I also want to bring up something for, for the Balkan moms listening to this. I know we get a lot of flack for, you know, um, being old school in a lot of ways, but we're also amazing, amazing human beings. Uh, for example, in, in America, you'll find that a lot of moms will sleep train their babies. And for the most part, Balkan moms have never heard of this. You know, we, we try to breastfeed if we can. We, we co-sleep with our babies. It's a cultural thing. We, we are there present for our babies and meeting their needs. And I hope that this type of parenting can, you know, persists whenever possible within the Balkan communities um, all over the world because the, the capitalism that's associated with like sleep training babies, like really, <laughs> how are we going to train a little baby who doesn't know anything? Um, so I, I really hope that we continue these practices that bring us that intuitive feeling of, of what's right for our babies. So uh, every mom listening to this, I really want her to remember that, that, you know, she has some amazing tools in her toolkit already. And, and listening to her intuition is going to be the number one tool that she 
can use immediately. Um, and, and some of these, you know, old school, quote unquote, ways of parenting are phenomenal. And again, backed by research to show that infants who are connected to their mothers do so much better than children who, you know, are forced into different scenarios that they're not ready for. For sure, for sure. No, I think listening to your intuition is just key mm-hmm. that you do. And then especially when it comes down to, you know, parenting your children and things like oh, that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think definitely like, you know, I mean, every Vulcan woman, mom that I've met is probably like the most selfless person ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I've seen things to, you know, um, kind of funny reels that people have made, not necessarily Vulcan moms, but just moms in general. And it's talking about the whole idea of self-care. And, you know, um, of course, it's important. Like you need to, you know, there are times when you have to put yourself first. Uh, of course, it's going to be hard, you know everyone's lives look different and you're dealing with all kinds of things going on. But I'm curious to hear what you have to say to that, because of course we've, you know, seen all kinds of things about self-care and it's not just about, you know, putting on a face mask or doing this X, Y, Z kind of thing. What are like different ways, like what advice would you give to, let's say if a mom's feeling super overwhelmed and just feeling like she doesn't have any time at all for herself to the point where it's like, you feel like you're almost losing control of everything. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. what would be that first step where you can kind of take a step back? Like what's the first thing that you would do? There are several things and it depends on her environment, whether she has support systems in place, you know, and I want to make this like very clear for moms listening Taking a shower and eating and having a cup of coffee is not considered self-care. Those are your like literally basic human rights, girl. (laughs) You need to go take that shower. You need to go eat. Those are things that are not considered self-care. You need those things to live. Self-care is considered something that you do for yourself that you enjoy doing minus the kids um, and the family, you want them to stay home or, or away from you for a little bit. The, if the mom is able, I would set up a time each week, whether it's a couple of times a week or whether it's a big chunk of, of, of the week of one day to do something that she really enjoys. For example, I, um, when, and I'm pretty open about this, when I had my daughter, Lamia, last year, she was um, a COVID baby. I had her in January, like right before the lockdowns and, and all this crazy mess happened. But when we went into lockdown, I experienced a minor form of postpartum anxiety. I had really intrusive thoughts about my um, children and the virus and, and, and things I knew that were not logic, things I knew that were not um, appropriate to think. Um, but nonetheless, when, when you have children, your brain chemistry changes and the chemical imbalance um, continues on for women who are struggling with postpartum anxiety or depression or, or other forms of postpartum uh, perinatal mood disorders. So when um, I went through this period and I, I went um, into, called my therapy, I've been in therapy for like 10 years now. So my healing journey is a very long healing journey called my therapist and, and we talked about things. And, and the first thing she mentioned to me was, well, when is your time for you? 
And I said, you know what? I don't have time for me. So I came home and I told my husband, who is a wonderful parenting partner. Um, he, he's not my help. He is, he's my parenting partner. He's 50% of the parenting unit in this household. Um, when we decided to have children, we sat down and said, you know, we can, this cannot be you coming in and helping me. This is, I do 50%, you do 50%. If God forbid something happened to me, you need to be the person who knows everything about these children um, and can parent them the same way that we decided to um, as a couple. So I came home and I said to him, you know, I need, I need an hour a week for myself two hours a week. I don't know. Let's start with an hour right now. And I love to skate. So I went into the garage and I found my skates and I, um, one hour a week turned into one hour a day now where that's giving me my, um, my creativity, my exercise, my free time to myself. And I literally enjoy myself so much on these skates, um, that sometimes, um, it takes me back to like my teenagehood or, or uh, being a young kid who really enjoyed skating. So it's about asking for that, demanding it, not asking for it, but it, it actually needs to be something that in Balkan households, men that are listening to this who are going to be fathers, who are fathers, that needs to be something approached and, and said, you know, you are a mother, I'm a father, we all, we both need time to ourselves. And that needs to be a priority in a couple's um, life, whether it's going to the gym or uh, the nail salon or doing something else, but reading a book, I don't care what it is. There needs to be a time for you to, to separate yourself from your children to be you. Because when we become moms, and I mean, if you ever choose to have children, you will know that your um personality or identity changes when you become a mom in an instant you know you no longer are the priority in your life your children are especially the little the younger they are the the, the bigger priority they are for you so it is hard to carve that time out but it is so necessary because as i mentioned earlier uh, mom's mental health is a direct link to her children's mental health and if a mom struggles with mental health issues her children will most likely develop mental health issues and um i think that statement in and of itself needs to be enough for any mom listening to this to carve out that time for herself if you do not have the support system, that's when it gets a little bit tricky and, and you don't know what to do. Um, but my response to that is, you know, when the kids are napping or when they're at daycare, for example, and you're at work, can you take 30 minutes, you know, before you go pick them up for yourself once a week where you do something for yourself? And usually when there's a will, there's a way. Um, and, and it's done. It's a lot harder. And I think single moms are like literally superhumans. Um, and I, uh, my hat's off to them, every one of them. I love that story and just how you took something, you know, that's literally, like you said, it was just an hour, you know, a day or an hour each week or each month or however it works in your schedule that, you kind of pick something that was fun for you and kind of almost mm -hmm. like you kind of tap back into like that childlike spirit in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 
is nice because everything is so, you know, serious up to this point. Like, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a new mom, like you've had your kid, you've gone through all these different things. And it's, so it's like one thing that you can kind of go back to that provides you with a sense of, you know, comfort, but also feeling kind of carefree. Like this is my time. I shouldn't have to Mm -hmm. worry about, Mm -hmm. you know, 5 million other things that are going Mm -hmm. on because Mm -hmm. it's so important. And I think Mm -hmm. just doing it on a consistent basis is Mm -hmm. going to better, not only yourself, but like you said, what's passed down to your kids. I think that's also Mm -hmm. really interesting kind of concept Mm -hmm. in how, Mm -hmm. you know, you can inherit certain kinds of characteristics and like traits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mentioned genes, you know, trauma traveling down through your genes. Um, And I don't know how much time we have left, but I, I, I urge everybody to look up epigenetics, you know, how genetics from our grandparents can literally be affecting the way our genes, um, get for the genes that we get and whether they turn on or turn off within our environment. Um, it's incredible. So I urge anyone to look that up. They did studies on the Holocaust survivors and, and seeing if their like grandchildren and great grandchildren were affected. Um, and they studied how their genes were affected by the cortisol level, which is the stress level. And it was phenomenal to find that certain genes were affected in offspring, like three generations later, um, given what the survivors of the Holocaust went through. So really interesting information, um, something that we have to be aware of because we ourselves have gone through several genocides, several wars. Uh, And again, like I said, talking about our grandparents and on um, a lot of maladaptive behaviors were passed down to us that we have to break in and do better for ourselves and for our children. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And I almost wish, and there might already be, you know, things that exist, but I remember I was in college and I was writing this paper and it was about, um, children people who yeah people who were children like during the Bosnian war and I was trying to find like statistics and just things of how people who are in their like 30s right now like my uncle for example he was a child during the war how that has affected like their mental health like later on in life and I really could not find a lot of information everything was done right after the war so like early 2000s but there was nothing like how does that affect this person in their you know adult life and so I don't know if a lot of studies exist like going back to your point just with like parenting and just Balkan like parenting communities in general like are there a lot of things that are out there are some um and to answer your question and maybe I can email you the studies and you can link them to the podcast um there are a few that studied individuals who um, survived the war in the Balkans in, in, at the fall of Yugoslavia. And then they studied how well their mental health was several years later. And, um, but these were not people who, you know, who were children during the war. They were, they were primarily adults already. There is a study that talks about parenting experiences on children and they include countries um, all the countries of the Balkans, including Bosnia. And one thing that stood out to me so much when I read it um, was the fact that 
over 90%, over 95% in most of these countries, children experienced what they called psychological abuse at home. Okay. And then the last question on this study was, well, tell me about your positive parenting experience. How many of you do you think, uh, do you think experience uh, positive parenting uh, at home where, you know, you are connected to your mother, your father, you feel like they understand you and love you, etc. 99% of these children responded with a yes to that question, right? 99%. So there's a cognitive dissonance there where we're not, um, children are not, children are recognizing something is not right with the way my parents are parenting me, but I experienced this as love, right? So mm -hmm. say, Psychological abuse is not love. <laughs> and we have a lot of cycle breaking to do. So that's why I'm so passionate about this. And I, and I feel like, you know, conversations about this need to happen so often. Every day, <laughs> every, every, every day, we need to have a conversation about this. Because mental health, like you said, is still so taboo in the Balkans. I mean, I did a poll on my Instagram not too long ago when I asked, do you believe that people in the Balkans still, or from the Balkans, still believe that mental health issues are caused by voodoo or black magic or et cetera? Because I did not think that this we were still there, like we were still, you know, in this mentality. And my goodness, I mean, <laughs> um, I had over 300 people respond with a yes. Okay, and my account has like 3000 people. So uh, if, if we take, if we take that number, the, the statistics in that and, and amplify it to a larger percentage, like 84% of the people responding to this yes or no question thought that, you know, black magic and you know, voodoo are responsible for mental health stuff. So for, we have to start there and then talk about other things that are associated. We, do, we take our mental health for granted. We take it for granted and we don't realize that it's the driver to our physical health. When you're feeling sad, depressed, tired, your brain is not going to allow your body to move. Your brain is not going to allow your body to do things that it needs to do. It's going to go into survival mode. And that survival mode is going to look like whatever the brain decides to make it look like. Whether it is you need to sleep, you need to lay down, you need to uh, just hang out, whatever it may be. Um, and of course, if we talk about chemical imbalances in there because of mental health illnesses, then, then that's another completely separate subject because mental health illnesses do exist just like physical illnesses exist and oftentimes I tell people you know if you know someone who is sick with diabetes that's prevalent in the Balkan culture or cultures you don't look at them and say well you are this terrible person for having diabetes. You actually take care and are worried about them and you make sure that they are getting the right nutrients and medication, et cetera, for their health. But when somebody struggles with depression, when somebody struggles with anxiety, when somebody struggles with bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, you know, mental health illnesses, they're all of a sudden this crazy quote unquote person that you don't, you know, we're terrified of and we don't want to be associated with. And that breaks my heart. 
that breaks my heart. So we need to do better as a community. And I hope Balkan Mama Therapy can bring a small piece of, of healing for us into that because, you know, I, I think through healing our mental, our emotional wounds, can we make a big impact on, on society overall and, and feeling happier and, and accepted overall? Definitely. I mean, that poll, as you were reading that, I was sitting back here just like, what the heck? Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. I think I've, I definitely have friends who have come from more, um, I don't want to say, I don't know, like more traditional kind of, you know, upbringings and stuff like that. And their parents, I guess, are a little bit more like, quote unquote, like old school with like certain things like that. They're maybe, mm-hmm, more, mm-hmm. I don't know, religious or whatever. It doesn't matter. But I know that's something that um, they would, you know, maybe like talk about or they obviously know that's not the case. But I just think it's crazy that people still mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are in that mindset. And like you said, you know, you thought, okay, I thought we were past that. Like, how can we move on? To, you know? and, and that was my practitioner. I mean, I am in mental health. I, 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 I live it, breathe it, talk it, understand it. So that was my bias, you know, thinking right. that we have stepped away from this. And when I heard this happen, in a conversation, I literally put this poll up as a joke, thinking that people would message me and be like, what are you talking about? But really, like 84% of you guys, <laughs> 84% of my followers said, yeah, this is what is happening. So or people responding to them. Um, and it's not a scientific study at all. It was just opinion based. Tell me what you think. Um, and like I said, we have a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. And um, there are beautiful mental health clinicians who have reached out to me once they saw Balkan Mama Therapy, who are from the Balkans, who are of different nationalities from the Balkans. Um, and I am looking forward to uh, connecting us all so that we can better serve our community of of. Um, Balkan parents, Balkan moms, Balkan dads, children, um, women, men, whoever it may be, because it's a lot easier to go see a therapist who understands your background, understands the intergenerational stuff that you come with and your cultural stuff versus having to actually explain it to someone. You know, that can, it can happen for sure, but it takes away from the the, the healing journey and, and it can be kind of frustrating when you're trying to explain something and they're like yeah but just set up boundaries with your parents it's like no you don't just set up boundaries with our parents like you (laughs) there needs to be a lot more that goes into this process um so yeah i i'm looking forward to making a big change through uh these small little steps and and i'm hoping that you know if anybody has questions i am more than happy to talk to them Um, obviously i can talk about this day and night so (laughs) Well, I hope that everyone who voted on that poll listens to this episode and gets some more clarity and insights. Like you said, there's so much to cover and go over. And I think definitely talking to someone who is already from your background makes a world of a difference. I know when Mm -hmm. 
me and my brother first started going to therapy and our therapist, he's American. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think there were at least like two or three sessions where we were just trying to explain mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. all, not even all the history, but just like all the different groups, because mm-hmm. we could say something and then he would be like, wait, 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 hold on a second. Like what, like what is going on here? Mm-hmm. We're trying to tell you, you know, how confusing it is. But anyway, uh, besides the point he has, world of understanding about our culture in the region and everything now and I know he's like looked things up himself just because it was interesting um but yeah I think that helps and people are also reluctant to go and do that kind of thing or even you don't even have to tell anyone that you're going to see it there I obviously talk openly about everything on here just just how I am um, but I know certain people they wouldn't want to like disclose that and I think that's totally fine like nobody needs to know your business if that Mm-mm. works for you that right. works for you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know that's great because mm-hmm. yeah people are reluctant but if it's someone who you know is from your culture speaks a language I think it's going to be so much you're going to be mm-hmm. more like considering like that option versus Absolutely. completely shying away from it and saying, so oh, I don't need that. That's for, because mm-hmm. I know when I first started it, I was like, okay, I have to start going because of, you know, everything that happened with my dad yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And now it's what, almost three years later, I'm still going. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like all these other issues. Now mm-hmm. Yeah. That's usually what happened. I, like when I tell people about my first experience going to therapy, it was in grad school and a program suggested go be a client, go experience what that is like. And I went into my therapist and they give you like a list of, of uh, professionals you can go see. Right. Um, so I went in and I was like, I really don't know what I'm going to talk to you about. I really just wanted to experience this and see what it feels like. Right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I'll follow your lead. And she goes, well, yeah, well, why don't you just tell me about your childhood? And I <laughs> started talking about my childhood and that turned into a whole crying sesh right there and um so totally not like what I was expecting and 10 years later we're still uncovering things and I'm like oh I see that now I get it and any therapist listening to this I I really hope that you're in your own healing work because we cannot be an agent of change for our clients if we do not practice what we preach. I am a big proponent of of mental health workers being in their own therapy because so much can come up for ourselves um, when we're dealing with with people because we're human, you know, it comes up. So yeah, thank you so much for this space. It feels so good to talk to someone Um, and you're much younger than I am, but I, I am absolutely in love with everything that you do and as total support from um, from me personally to to see you grow and see you expand and, and and just love your spirit and love your energy overall. So keep doing what you're doing and know that you're impacting uh, people in a very positive way. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, yeah. it's always it's always good to just see that something that you said or something that you did, even in the moment of doing it, you don't really like, I don't think too much about what I'm, let's say Mm -hmm. sharing on Instagram stories, Mm -hmm. but then Mm -hmm. someone will watch it and say, Oh, that one thing you said, like that really resonated with me. And a lot of times I'm like, what did I say? Or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But um, no, I think, I think it's really important to like have these conversations. And that's why I started the podcast because I know there's still so much more out there that can be oh, yeah. out in our oh, communities. Yeah. And, you mm-hmm. know, just having that space for people to come to is really important because mm-hmm. people are curious, you know, you don't think they are about certain things. And then I'll go back and look at the, you know, analytics for certain episodes and see, oh, wow, I think mental health, talking about that, like, that's one of the number one things. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And just like dating and relationships is another huge thing people love to (gasps) listen to. You know how much, like, there would be so much more success in the dating and relationship area if we all worked out on our insecurities and stepped away from this toxic masculinity that our boys have to go through and just people pleasing that our girls have to go through right and I know the younger generations are breaking these cycles and we're doing a really good job with it but I I don't want anyone to feel alone doing that and know that like if you're in the process of doing your own work that is just some amazing stuff right there. Um, super proud of of anybody who is courageous enough to do that. And and you're a cycle breaker. That takes a lot of responsibility and 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 pain from the future generations. And it's it's phenomenal. So good good stuff right there. I love it. Yeah, relationships I think are overall a big question for. I don't care if you're from the Balkans or not. People just don't know how to do relationships, and that all stems from being parented experience the way our parents treated us because our parents are our first relationships right so they're the blueprints for all other relationships that we're going to have and the way our parents raise us treat us talk to us becomes how we talk to ourselves and that can either be a good thing or not so not so healthy but it definitely can change so yeah thank you I could talk to you for days at this point so I know we have to (laughs) going but I really appreciate this platform I really appreciate our conversation and I look forward to um, hearing more about the podcast and different guests that you have on absolutely likewise thank you so much for being on our show and I will have all of Selma's links in the show notes so like the description of the podcast you can find her Instagram, um, those different studies, any other relevant links I'll have there. So you guys can get in touch with her if you have a certain question about something that we talked about on the episode. And as always, if you guys are interested in being featured on an upcoming episode, definitely feel free to DM me on Instagram. It's just at Balkanbread, or you can email us. It's hello at balkanbread.com with the subject line podcast. So Thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you in the next episode. Bye everyone.